Welcome to The Road Back to You. Looking at life through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Ian Cron. And I'm Suzanne Stubiel. And we are glad that you're here. Sevens insist on spontaneity. They're fascinated with other people's lives. Sevens are the people we all want to invite to a party. They're the people who are buoyant regardless of uh, circumstance. Sevens are um, hope-filled and faith-filled. You know, they are so optimistic that they're good um, ambassadors for believing that there's something bigger going on than just you and that things are going to work out just fine in the long run. I'm positive it was a seven who the first time said, and regardless of circumstances, it's all good. You know, uh, I both of us have seven children, Indeed. seven sons. And as you know, as and I do so well, they, their first line of defense is charm. And they're so charming. Oh. They get away with unbelievable Oh, they things. talk. Listen, I have never seen kids get out of trouble more, you know, deftly than the way that a seven does because they just will d- diffuse your wrath as a parent by doing something funny right when you're about to bring the hammer down. And then you're like, well, now I can't do it. The kid's funny. I can't do it. Our son, Joel, 6'3", and I had him one day by the shirt collar. And I was just letting him have it about his behavior and how things were going to be. And since he was a little bitty boy, his nostrils flare when he's about to laugh. And his nostrils started to flare, and I was going on and on. And I said, are you about to laugh? And he said, you know, I think I am. And he laughed, and I laughed. And he waltzed right out the door. And I turned around, and the other two children looked at me like, what? Yeah. Well, so, you know, here's the interesting thing, though, because um, with my, my seven, and I think this is generally true with sevens, they're, they're so charming, and most of the time, unless they're really not in a good space and running around manic and, and uh, getting irritable or strange on you, um, they really come off as being so optimistic and sunny that it's, it's easy not to see the, the not-so-good side, the darker side of seven. I call them sometimes there's, a, there's the blessing and the blights to every number, right? So the blight for a seven is this, this need to avoid pain, that drives a lot of this uh, compensating positiveness. It comes so easy to them because they can reframe any negative oh. into a positive oh, in a nanosecond. Rationalization, woo, like I have never seen before. I've never seen it either. Well, let's let's stop talking about it because you and I love sevens. We and, do. And, but we know that the best way for people to learn about sevens is talking to a seven. And uh, we we have one. one. Oh, boy, do we have one. This is my great friend, Shauna Nequa. She's an author. She's a blogger, great friend of my, uh, or I should say wife of my great friend, Erin Nequist. And uh, she's coming to us from Illinois, where we can't wait to talk to her. Shauna. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's good to see you. It is great to see you. Really good to see you. How is your husband, Erin? He is wonderful. He's just doing great. He's a fine human being, as are you. As you know from uh, our talking previously, we're in this series where we're talking about all nine personality styles on the Enneagram. And you happen to occupy 
a space on the Enneagram that actually, Suzanne will tell you this is true from speaking together, I always say is the number I, I want to be on yeah. the Enneagram, which is the seven enthusiast. I have to tell you, I, I love being a seven. I bet you do. I bet you do. Why do you love being a seven? Um, well, you know, I, I think part of why I love the Enneagram is uh, understanding that I'm a seven helped me understand that the best parts of me and the worst parts of me are not just a random collection, but uh, they're very related to each other. So I love to do a million different things. I love for life to be full of variety. I'm terrible at routine. I want everything to feel like a special occasion. I want more everything. Um, and I can be... Um, I can run myself ragged trying to have too much fun. I can wear out the people around me. But to understand those things as related and part of a, a whole was really, really helpful for me. Mm. Wow. What would you say um, you wish people knew about seven? Can you repeat that? Yeah. What would you say that you wish everybody knew about your number or about seven? Huh. Um... Well, I would say one of my one of the things that is a little bit uh, um, sometimes people use the word clown when they're talking about sevens. Um, really? That... Yes. One one particular priest, in fact, refers over and over again to uh, the seven as the cheerful clown, and I think that's selling us short. I think. Um, you will absolutely have more fun with us, and we will make your life a little crazy. But most sevens I know are not um, so shallow or so much a court jester um, as as other people kind of tease them about being. So that would probably be the one. I, I, I would say I don't feel tremendously misunderstood. I don't feel like, man, nobody understands the seven, uh, like my husband, the four feels. Um, but if there was one thing it would say, I would say sometimes the stereotypes about each type makes me feel, uh, less of a substantial person, more shallow than I think I really am. Well, it's like people don't, uh, ask the right questions to get to your depth because they expect you to kind of skate on the surface. And do you find that when you do dive deeper, when you're traveling at a deeper place, that then people who are accustomed to you being entertaining or the life of the party and all that, do they come up to you and, and say things like, what's wrong with you? You okay? I, well, I do think um, not as much in terms of depth or shallowness of conversation, but in terms of overall exuberance. Um, if I'm not feeling well or if something's going on, if I'm only running at like half energy for whatever reason, People really, people very much notice that. And it's a, like, a, what's wrong with her? Right. Um, there's an expected level of energy that people uh, expect me to bring into a room. And sometimes, I think one of the things I've been working on in the last couple of years is saying, like, bringing my whole self doesn't always mean bringing, like, my most wound up self. Oh, that's so mm, good. That Can I good. quote that? Sure. So, because um, I love little kids so much, I want to tell you a story I just heard from a chaplain. Um, when I was teaching in a hospital, and she said she's pretty sure her little boy, who's just five or six, is a seven on the Enneagram, she said to him, how was your day at school today? And he said, it was, it was good. And she said, well, what was your favorite part? And he said, M's. I so love riding an M. 
But if I'm not really careful, I just keep riding in after in after in because it's so fun to go up and then down. And if I ride too many ends, I get in trouble. But it's so fun. And I love that story about sevens because it's like when something is so rich, regardless of your age, it's age appropriate, right? When something is so rich, you just get into it so deep that you just don't want to stop. Is that true for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and our, our son, Mac, is four, and we think he might be a seven. And he says things like, Mom, is today Tuesday or is today Wednesday? And I'll say, it's Tuesday. And he'll say, yes, I love Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no difference in his life between Tuesday and Wednesday. They're exactly the same schedule. Um, or he'll say, he'll point to a cup on the counter. And he'll be like, what is this? Is this water? And I'll say, yeah, this is water. And he'll say, yes, I love water. Uh, Nobody so, loves a glass of water. But Yeah, so, you know, um, both Suzanne and I have children, boys, who are sevens, right? Yeah. And um, so we know the joy and the challenges of having a seven in the family system. But I, I want to know from your perspective, because sevens, I mean, they're so charming. They are so fun. Uh, they just ring with optimism and, and future thinking and all the unlimited possibilities that life presents. But I'm curious from your perspective, because every number does have its dark side, right? What is the dark side of seven? Well, um, I'm... First, there's a personal one and then a relational one. Um, the biggest thing I struggle with in my life is excessiveness or gluttony. I mean, mm. I could literally eat all day. I could, <laughs> when, I, I, I could just go from restaurant to restaurant and just taste things happily. Um, I could open a bottle of champagne with my cup of coffee in the morning because why not? Like, I could just... Um, so I can tend to, I'm just, I, it's easy for me to just be excessive and to uh, think ahead and just try to string together extraordinary experiences all the time. And then I find myself tremendously disappointed that I have to do things like sleep or... Yeah, it's such a waste of time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right, when you could be living more life. Right? Um, and so I, the, in myself, um, I, I really... Uh, like I go on a diet every morning and I blow my diet every day at 11 o'clock uh, oh because that's God. as far as I can go with the restrictions. Like I'm, it's really, and I have to say to myself, like, I really think this is harder for me than it is for other people. Like I, I have to believe that there are other people in the world who just decide to only eat a sandwich. And then all of a sudden I'm at a French restaurant having mussels and to be like, like I, my appetites are truly like I think I, maybe I feel them stronger than other people do. Um, yeah, and then I would say them more for sure. You anticipate what? them for sure, definitely. Um, and uh, I think I can uh, relationally. I think I can wear people out um, uh, either because, like, one thing I know. So I'm married to a four. And, um, I, it, we can talk like at a pretty deep level, like looking each other in the eye or holding hands, like really, really talking. And after about seven minutes, I'm like, that was amazing. Could I make some snacks? You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm done. He, that was so great. And, and says, let's do it again next week. Well, totally. You know, and I, as like, a four, I mean, I'm just saying as a four individualist who's very feeling centered and, you know, actually yeah. wanting to connect intensely. For a seven, that's that's pretty difficult. I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Totally, and and so so we'll connect in a way that feels like quite a challenge for me. Like 
I'm, I'm nailing this. I am becoming a really good partner just while I'm doing this. Right. And then we'll get to the end of that conversation. And instead of saying like, wow, I feel so seen and heard, he says, I'm really looking forward to connecting on a deep level sometime soon. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And that was my, I did. Right. Um, and so that's something we've really had to work on is, um, what reads deep communication to him is so different than mm -hmm. what reads deep communication to me. Also in terms of love languages, I would say like, um, quality time and alone time, not a thing for me. You don't, I don't need to be alone with you in order to know that you love me. I don't need us to talk about deep things. I, like I'm really good at, um, like being a sidekick. And I think, you know, uh, so my dad's an eight and I traveled all over the world with him growing up and I never need, he, I don't think he ever like, stopped and looked me in the eye and asked me about my feelings. And I didn't need him to, we were in Paris, we were in Sydney, we were see, like it. So I don't have a super great need for like attentive eye to eye attachment. Right. But then you think about parenting, my boys need that. And it's a challenge for me. Mm. I have to really work on like, okay, I get it. You don't just want to be dragged along to 15 things that I think are fun. You want me to sit here and we're going to talk about superheroes even more. I'm going to ask even more follow-up questions about the things that are important in your life. I'm really working on that. Hmm. I love that. Do you think you would know to work on that um, without a little bit of any RAM knowledge and understanding what other people don't see like you see? Does that help you with that? I think that the Enneagram is a huge, has been a huge, I mean, it has been so helpful for our marriage just because it sort of helped us understand like, we experience the world in such entirely different ways. Right. Instead of just assuming that our responses and impulses and feelings and reactions are mostly the same, they're mostly different. Yes. And the Enneagram puts such helpful language to that. Non-judgmental, non-shaming, matter-of-fact language. It's just not how I see that. And, and just saying, yeah, that, that Aaron at his best will still be really, really different from me at my best. So it's not like if I do Aaron-ish things, I'll get to be my best self. Oh, that's so good. Say so, that again. Not doing Aaron-ish things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah there's that. Um, me acting like Aaron or Aaron acting like me will never deliver either of us to our healthiest selves. And you know, so like, like a four has to sometimes push themselves to say yes. Do it anyway. Do it even if you don't feel like it. Do it if it's not perfect. Do right. it even if you don't have a strong emotional attachment to it. For me, I say yes all day long. Right. For me, work and maturity a lot of times is saying no. No, I don't mm -hmm. need that experience. Yes, I can be satisfied with something simpler. Yes, I can connect deeper, more deeply to something long ter longer term as opposed to 15 different things. So for Aaron and I, a lot of times rightness even, the next right choice is the opposite one. Um, I, I, I push him out the door and he pulls me back home and that's right for both of us. Oh, that's beautiful. That is, that good. is beautiful. So, you know, you know, you grew up in the church. I know your mom, Lynn, and I know that the two of you, uh, I know that Lynn's a fan of the, of the Enneagram as well, I, I think. And, yeah. Um, so I'm curious for you, as I, I've, I've asked other guests, how have you found sort of this uh, integration and, and use the Enneagram as a, uh, a tool in, you know, your spiritual life? Um, I would say the most helpful thing for me, um, 
the first big step um, of learning kind of the spiritual aspect of the Enneagram was giving myself permission to not do it the way essentially the fours in my life do it. So my mom and my husband are fours. They're introverts. They're deep thinkers. They're deep feelers. They're they're contemplatives by nature. Mm. And I'm like, no, no, I totally get it. I don't think I'm a contemplative by nature. Like I'm a, I'm a party thrower by nature. How do we, you know, and that looks a lot less spiritual to a lot of people. But I would say the first thing was um, giving myself permission to not be like a desert mystic and instead to, I think my greatest gift, um, spiritual or not, is hospitality. I think one of the ways that God uses my life um, and, and it, I have a disproportionate amount of joy when I practice hospitality. Like it, it makes me unreasonably happy. Um, like selling X amount of books. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. But like a really meaningful dinner party is like, like, I believe in God and I believe he's good. Like that really means something to me. And so I think giving myself permission to practice spirituality out of my identity and creativeness, as opposed to the pressure I felt to be. And so even, uh, you know, my dad's like this, like super, like intense leader person. It's not how I was made to be. I'm, I'm fast enough and, um, kind of multi interested enough to play like that for a while. But at the end of the day, I I don't want things to be quite so intense. I don't want things to be so hard. I I want things to feel lighter and and I want to be the soft place. I want my home to be the soft place that people go after doing hard things, Mm, whether contemplative or leadership oriented. And, I am happiest in my life when the people I love are out doing their hard things and they come home to me mm. to be, to, to, to feel softness and love and nourishment. I love that. Could you do me a favor before we uh, wrap up and could you tell me what is one thing that you would say to a seven, one piece of advice you would give to a seven who's 19? Um, Well, the advice that I needed, certainly, as, as a seven in my younger years, was really against the excessiveness. Like, um, those habits will not get you where you want them to get you. Mm. And, and, and you will, you, it been really wild in college, meaning, like, like, I went out every night, and I drank a lot, and I danced on tables, and I went out with weirdos, and, <laughs> and, I remember, and everything was an adventure. I would end up yep. like, oh, tonight we went swimming in the ocean. Oh, tonight I, you know, learned to sail at midnight. Oh, tonight, <laughs> I mean, just weird stuff. Um, you know, tonight I got, went home in a shopping cart. Um, all real stories. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. You said that. that I am so <laughs> glad you said that. That, I mean, there you go. There's the there's the tagline for a seven. Tonight I went yep. home in a shopping there cart. That is yeah. so great, Shauna. Um... <laughs> And, and I remember my dad, my parents were really, especially like, I don't know, a pastor's kid. They were very low key about it. But I remember my dad asked me at several intervals, he was like, you know what? I just trust that this is the path you need to take. And, and when you run this path to the end, you're going to start making better choices. And then like six months later, he'd be like, just for, for interest sake, how close do you think you are to the end? Oh, that is fantastic. And I was like, not, I'm not even close. I'm not close to the end at all. This is wonderful. So you Um, know what? Um, I number one, I have experienced that joy of being in your home after working or doing, and and 
you know, experiencing your hospitality. And I'm so grateful that you were my guest and Suzanne's guest today. And um, thanks for, for being here. You got to pass a hug on your husband for me. And this was awesome. Wonderful. I will. Thank you for having me. Sure. The last thing I want to say is that uh, I'm a pastor's wife, and I have danced on a table, but I've never gone home in a shopping cart. So I'd like to do that with you one time before I die. Yeah. I could do that. I can, that can be arranged. Okay. You can say I'm just helping this old lady. <laughs> Bless you. See you later. Great Bye. to talk to you guys. See you later. Bye. Okay. That was vintage Shauna. I'm just telling you what that was, what she's like at I would imagine is seven o'clock in the morning. So here's what I think. Uh, I, we're just starting this, but in a few years when we've been at this for a while, I think we should do a game show and we'll just play clips from mm-hmm. our previous shows and let people guess the number. And maybe by then, if they get all nine numbers, we'll send them a coffee mug and a t-shirt or, or something. Or we'll wrap up because we will know we have probably done, our done, work. We've done yeah. our work. So I, um, I've known Shauna and her husband, Aaron, for a number of years. She's a great author. Four books, okay? And let me just tell you the titles because they're so in line with a seven and a lot of things she said. First one was Cold Tangerines. And I I picked that up just because the title was Cold Tangerines. I didn't know anything about her then. The next one is called Bittersweet. The next one is called Bread and Wine. And then listen to this because this is so seven. You know, sevens, one big feature for those of you who are listening and don't know is they love to anticipate everything. I have a line in, in our book, which is, it's all in the waiting, not in the sating. Have we talked you know? about our book lately? The not Road enough. Back to You. Not enough. We never can yeah. talk about it enough. But here's my point. Listen to the name of the last book. Savor oh, is the fantastic. title of the last book. And then when you teach sevens, you actually say, sevens need to savor Everything. So what we could do in the future, especially with younger sevens, is say, read these books in the order that she wrote them, and you'll be able to see her growth into the mature side of sevenness. Yeah, and I want to say one other thing. If you, if anyone out there has the time, I'm just going to encourage you to do something. I want you to play that podcast next to the one with Michael Gunger. Exactly. All right, they're both in the headspace. They're both in the in the mental triad. Fear triad. Fear too. triad. And this is them coping with fear in two... I want you to see how different they are, yet the same in many ways. It's just the different ways of fear management. One up in that, you know, dealing with it through knowledge and the other through optimism. Well, and, and also the way that sevens often manage their fear is with a smokescreen of activity. Yeah. And so you could certainly hear that in Shauna. Yeah, she once said to me, because I, I interviewed her uh, to, for the book, our book, The Road That... The Road Back to You. The Road Back to You, correct. Um, I interviewed her for that uh, for the book, and she would talk to me about, you know, I know I'm not doing well when I'm looking at the calendar to see what's coming ahead. Right? Right. All up there in the future. This was an awesome show. And uh, Suze, this is a great couple of days here in yeah. Austin, Texas. Going well. Great barbecue, good friends. Yeah. Gosh. You know that Luke Norsworthy who's helping us do all of this is also a seven on the Enneagram. He is. And his podcast is Newsworthy with Norsworthy, and people could listen into that and get a lot of seven energy on a regular basis. Oh my gosh. Incredible yeah. amount of seven energy. Walks in the room, 
You feel like you've got champagne running in the blood. That's right. Anyway, good show today. Good show. Great to be with you, Suze. Bye. You've been listening to The Road Back to You, looking at life through the lens of the Enneagram. Produced by Jim Chafee and engineered by Brad Bass. Our theme music is provided by the band Waterdeep from their album Moment, written by Lori Chaffer. Please visit our website, www.theroadbacktoyou.com, for news, more podcasts, and information on our public appearances around the country. And you can pre-order our book, The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. We hope you'll join us next time. Our guest is from the band Gunger, Michael Gunger, who is also the co-host of the podcast, The Liturgists. 